Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bank of Singapore Unplugged. My name is Pia Cook, and in this episode, we dig deep into a topic that's very close to my heart, tackling sustainability and climate change. Today, I'll be speaking with a true game changer, a catalyst of change who is leading the way in advocating for a better tomorrow. To start, I'd like to introduce Green Monday. Green Monday is a global movement that aims to tackle climate change, global food insecurity, public health and animal welfare issues. Founded in 2012 in Hong Kong, Green Monday advocates for at least one plant-based day per week, mobilising the wider community to construct a regenerative global ecosystem of future food. Today, the Green Monday movement has now expanded to over 30 countries globally, including mainland China, here in Singapore, Taiwan, Thailand and the UK. In this episode, we are thrilled to have with us David Lung, the founder of Green Monday. David, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's my honour. I'm really excited to hear more about your story, David, and about how Green Monday is changing the way people behave and think about food. So let's start by asking about how Green Monday came about eight years ago and what drove you to want to make such a big change? Well, the seed was first planted when I turned vegetarian almost 20 years ago. So before I asked anyone to you know, change their lifestyle and their habits, I mean, I was the first one uh, myself, at least to you know, start taking this route and really implementing the change. Um, and then in 2006, that was a very important year because that was the year when the United Nations published a very uh, detailed report about climate change. Uh, and the relationship between livestock industry and climate and global sustainability. Um, that was the first time that obviously an organization of the scale and credibility of UN uh, make the direct connection that if we want to do something for the planet, uh, you know, reduce carbon, um, have create a safer environment and all that, uh, meat reduction is going to be uh, a very important element. Now, however, back in 2006, this topic, even though that uh, report and story came out, but it barely caught anyone's attention. I mean, in Asia, I can basically say the attention or awareness was virtually zero. So for many years after that, it just kept bothering me. That's such an important issue. Um, and, you know, from a science standpoint, you know, it's, you know we, we are like a runaway train that we are heading towards the cliff and we really need to switch direction and gear very quickly. Now, unfortunately that hasn't happened. So finally in 2012, I just said to myself that, you know, enough is enough. And, you know, if no one else were, you know, going to, you know, take the initiative, then maybe we will do it. Um, so we kick off Green Monday, both the movement and our organization in 2012. Now, of course, fast forward to eight years later today, um, we are going through the worst crisis in recent history um, with the pandemic, with clearly worsening climate change uh, and so many global issues and food is at the front and center of it. So I think now to discuss this topic is more urgent and also more timely than ever. Well, I mean, congratulations, firstly, that's a huge impact that you've made in quite a short space of time, being only eight years. How many people would you guess have been influenced by your movement? Wow. Um, I really honestly can say tens of millions of people. Uh, now, in Hong Kong alone, 
uh, out of 7.5 million in Hong Kong, uh, more than one third are now flexitarian. Uh, flexitarian meaning they are consciously reducing meat. They're consciously aware of the negative impact from meat consumption. But that's just Hong Kong alone. Um, as you mentioned earlier in the intro, we are in 30, 40 countries when it comes to the movement. Um, and then in terms of our footprint and distribution of food innovation, that is going into more than 10 countries, um, very soon reaching 15 to 20 countries um, in the near future, uh, particularly a country called mainland China. <laughs> so if you ask me to guess, Definitely, even up to this point, we are talking about tens of millions. And in the very near future, we, we should be impacting hundreds of millions, which is just very humbling that this bold vision and mission that we started eight years ago is truly making very tangible and substantial impacts. I read about how Green Monday is sort of the philosophy, right? But then you just touched on the footprint, on the distribution and how things are just so much bigger than that. You, you've launched Green Common. Can you tell us a little more about that as well? As an entrepreneur, I just know that we must also come up with solutions. We cannot just tell people to don't do this and don't do that. Um, then what should they do? Uh, what should they eat? Uh, what kind of transportation should they take? Hopefully, we don't have to revert our life back to the Stone Age, right? So sustainability to me must come with innovation. Uh, they must go hand in hand. And there must be innovative solutions to empower people to switch. So in the case of energy, of course, we know about solar panels and wind turbines. And then in transportation nowadays, electric vehicles, of course, is becoming super popular. So what is the EV or what is the solar panel of food? If eating burgers and steak and you know pork and everything is so bad for the environment in so many ways, then what is the clean alternative? What's the green alternative that we can create? So Green Common is the platform. Is uh, On one hand, it's our shop and restaurant, but on the other hand, it's the total distribution that network that we've created that basically assemble some of the most innovative and most prominent brands and products in the alternative meats and non-dairy space. Uh, some of these products are from North America, some from Europe, uh, many from Asia as well. And we bring them together uh, into our shop and through our distrib distribution network to reach um, you know, millions of people through food service and retail channels. So that's kind of uh, what Green Common is about. When people walk into our Green Common, they are walking into the future of food. Um, they get to taste and experience what future food can be like, what the possibilities are. You earlier mentioned about the environment, and that clearly is one of the driving forces behind Green Monday. Uh, I imagine that as time goes on, many people are starting to become more and more aware of the environmental impact of meat production. But can you, in your own words, give us more insight into the um, the, the water use that goes along with the meat industry, the um, environmental damage, et cetera. Give us some, some more insights there. Sure. Um, you know, we take food for granted. Um, nowadays, uh, actually many people, because we live in urban areas, um, food to us is, you know, what's the latest menu at the hippest restaurant or what is available in the supermarket aisle. Uh, but the reality is behind the scene with our global population exploding to 8 billion right now and 10 billion in the very near future. Um, 
you know, there's just no way to keep up um, to provide so much food to feed eight and then 10 billion people. So the last 30 years, uh, you know, industrial animal factory farming really has taken over. So when, you know, let's say, you know, in the picture or, you know, the, what we learn from kindergarten, you know, pigs uh, or animals are roaming very freely uh, and they, they eat grass and have beautiful environment. None of those is the case right now. These animals are all confined in horrendous environment, um, you know, hormones and antibiotics are injected in them and they consume uh, animal feed that are definitely genetically modified. And so many unnatural things are put into the food system, particularly livestock, livestock system. Now, they also obviously by default, they need to eat, they need to drink. Um, so there is a disproportionate amount of water and land uh, resources that need to uh, go in uh, to provide the food to the animals and of course the land to raise these animals before they are, they are fed to us. So in general, we are talking about like a vegan person's person versus a meat eater. The vegan is 90 or 95% better in terms of water efficiency, land efficiency, and carbon uh, reduction. So if someone turned from a carnivore to a vegan, um, that person instantly is saving 90 plus percent, or in a, in some particular areas, maybe even 98, 99% of the footprints. So this is not just a single dimension of greenhouse gas, but it's greenhouse gas, water, land, uh, natural resources, plus most of these animals, of course, they produce manure. And those manure, a lot of times are not processed in a very hygienic way. So for example, the manure from the hog industry is definitely known to be one of the biggest pollutants of water and ocean. So a lot of ocean dead zones now exist because these are uh, you know, extremely polluted uh, manure and chemical and all that, those are poured into the sea and most of the life in the sea cannot survive. So it really is a multi-pronged damage to the environment, not to mention damage to our health as well. Let's talk about health. So as these factory farming uh, techniques increase, um, I'm sure that we are starting to become no longer sure about the chemicals and, and the antibiotics, the steroids, all those things that are going into the meat. Should we be worried? We should be extremely worried. Now, first of all, this year, 2020, of course, is, you know, is the you know, most tragic year in mem in recent memory because of COVID. Um, you know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people have died. And where does this come from? I mean, zoonotic diseases come from animals. Um, you know, these viruses are transmitted from animals to human beings. So number one is, and, and COVID is not the first and definitely it also won't be the last of these kind of viruses. So. Uh, you know, health or public health hazard number one is zoonotic disease. You know, we and, and we are suffering both humanity and the economy. I mean, in always we're suffering right now and there's still no end in sight. So that's number one. Now, number two, of course, is going back to our you know daily health with hormones, antibiotics um, and, you know, countless unnatural things that are in the food and particularly meat system. Um, we are seeing cancer, uh, heart disease, all sorts of things that 
you know, are not supposed to happen on such frequent basis to be happening everywhere. Now, of course, obesity is another one, right? Um, more than one fifth of global population is obese. I'm not even talking about overweight. If we count overweight, then the figure will balloon to 40 or even 50%, depending on which country. In some countries, maybe even 60% are overweight or obese. So that is creating huge burden, of course, on these individuals and on the societies around the world. Um, we don't see meat and plant space as like mutually exclusive, as binary, that if you are either a complete meat eater or you're completely uh, plant-based vegan eater. Um, there can be a middle way, right? There can be a more moder moderate uh, and certainly more sustainable way for us to eat and for us to feed the planet. So shifting the ratio of what we eat, I think this is not a choice, it's a must. And in fact, globally, we have the sooner we shift, uh, the more sustainable, the better off we will be, because otherwise we will be paying for a very steep price for the consequence of this. And in fact, that's happening right now. Um, I'd like to touch now on COVID, which is clearly a, a, a huge, hugely important topic. I am quite curious about the impact that COVID would have had on your movement. Now, is this changing their eating habits? Well, there's no doubt. I mean, if there's a silver lining uh, coming out of this is that the awareness on food safety, food supply, food system, um, you know, animal factory farming, I think that awareness has skyrocketed uh, across the world. People's demand for plant-based food, uh, whether it's meat alternative or dairy alternative, uh, really has spiked. Um, in the US, I mean, there are a lot of data that show that uh, when the outbreaks start to really happen uh, in you know, late March, early April, um, Besides, you know, toilet paper, the type of food that people actually start to really stock up is, you know, oat milk, uh, you know, uh, vegan burger, plant-based burger, and these items. So for us in Hong Kong and, you know, across Asia, it's something very similar. So, you know, our own product, Omnipork, and many of the brands that we distribute for, such as Beyond Meats, such as Calafia, uh, these brands really become the items that people look for. Um, again, I cannot count how many people are now telling me that you know they are turning you know 70, 80 percent plant-based, uh, and they are becoming frequent customers of our you know of our platform, uh, whether they are buying online or offline. So we are seeing a very significant spike, um, and a lot more people that you know that were previously you know skeptical um, or unsure about this now they are becoming the biggest you know uh, evangelist and ambassador for for our brands and for the movement it's very interesting in the last year with the ipo of beyond meat um, and also the growth of impossible foods we've seen um, you now launching omnipork there is certainly a lot more uh, visibility around yes. plant-based foods. Um, and now that it's, I guess, become a lot more mainstream, are you seeing that that has really, really helped your movement? Uh, no doubt. I mean, uh, the movement and these uh, food tech innovations, they really go hand in hand and they feed momentum into each other. So, you know, some people could be having an Omnipoc bun or Omnipoc dim sum or dumpling. Uh, and afterwards they're like, hey, this is actually very good. Um, you know, going plant-based is not as difficult as they thought. In fact, you know, they enjoy it very much. Um, so that's one way to bring people into the movement. And of course, the other is the education and awareness building. So um, I like to always say that, you know, the, the products and the innovations 
um, along with awareness buildings, it's like the two, it's like our two legs, right? We, we don't walk with one, we need both. With the invention of many of these products, you know, uh, in Southeast Asia, we call Omni Meat uh, to accommodate, you know, many halal, uh, you know, customers and patrons. Uh, but, you know, these products are really empowering people. Um, and I always love to see the comments that, uh, you know, someone posts on Instagram or whatever, you know, social media, and then they just say, hey, you know, they are enjoying both the cooking and the eating process. Um, and that always put a big smile on my face because we know that, uh, again, by winning one person, one family, you know, one city at a time, um, the momentum will snowball. And the other thing I must add is that this movement is also very driven by millennials and Gen Zs. So, you know, young people in general are actually the most active voices of this movement. Now, in terms of sustainability, I don't have to introduce Greta Thunberg, right? So, um, you know, young people are taking the lead and they end up going home and, you know, telling their parents or even grandparents and say, hey, you know, we got to change the way we, we consume, the way we spend, the way we eat, etc." So um, in that sense, it is looking very promising. What was still a very tiny movement as recent as, you know, three years ago, particularly here in Asia, now we can see full momentum going forward. Okay, now we've, we've, we've in our final minute. I, I'd like to um, I'd like to ask if you can give our listeners one key action that they can take away from this that right now they can do to really make a difference. Well, go Green Monday, <laughs> really. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound overly, you know, uh, you know, it, it seems obvious, right? But yeah, one day a week. You don't have to make dramatic change. It's not like tomorrow. I, you know, you you can never eat steak again. Uh, one day a week, but make it a routine. The key is to make it a routine. Um, again, you choose whichever day you like, Sunday, Friday, Monday, doesn't matter. Make it a routine and ideally get a group of people to do it with you because there's always the power of doing it as a group or as a team. You know, that mutual encouragement uh, is very important. So that would be the simplest action that we can control. Uh, and this is something that's better for you. So even if we're not talking about 20 years later or the whole world, this is something that's better for you. So go green Monday or whichever day you like and make it a routine, stick to it. David, thank you so much for being with us today. I, I'm really, you should be incredibly proud of the work that you're doing. And I congratulate you on this enormous impact you've had in, this, in the eight years, which really is a relatively small period of time to, to really change people's habits and minds. Uh, this is gonna help the environment for future generations, will help our health. And I just wanna say a huge thank you from Bank of Singapore for joining us here today. This podcast was brought to you by Bank of Singapore.